0: I want to let you know where the next few minutes are headed. A few minutes from now, I'm going to offer two specific invitations to you. One, I'm going to invite you to experience new life and relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And I want to be clear, this invitation is for everybody, whether you've grown up in church or this is your first time ever in church, or even watching church online. It's an invitation for people who may have questions about God. It's an invitation for people who may feel far from God because of your past or your present. It's an invitation for people who may have felt close to God at one point in your life, but That was a long time ago and a lot's happened since then. Doesn't matter your past, your present, your personality, your age, your ethnicity, your socioeconomic status. However, you might identify yourself. The Bible teaches that we have all turned aside from God and his ways and this is an invitation for you to come back to God. Either for the first time or for the first time in a long time. If you have any questions about where you stand with God, I wanna help you settle those today. And the second invitation is I'm gonna invite you to make a decision today to be baptized as a follower of Jesus, similar to what Reed just did. See, baptism is the first thing that followers of Jesus do. It's like a going public celebration and declaration that you're not ashamed to be a follower of Jesus. And I know there are many people in this room and online who have not taken that step for a variety of reasons. Some of you have yet to become followers of Jesus. Or maybe you became a follower of Jesus recently, or maybe many years ago, but for whatever reason you've not done this yet. Or maybe you would say, I was baptized as a baby, doesn't that count? And I'll say more on this at the end, but praise God that your parents saw faith as important when you were a child, and they expressed that faith on your behalf. But every time we see baptism in the Bible, it's a profession of your own faith, not someone else's faith. So today, you have a chance to affirm personally what others wanted for you however many years ago in a way that doesn't. Reject what they did for you, but affirms of my own volition, I'm following Jesus. You're going to have an opportunity, maybe today, to call mom, dad, whoever, and say, You hoped that I would follow Jesus. I'm going to make it public that I'm following him. Now, to clarify, responding to this invitation doesn't mean you'll be baptized today. We actually have a big day coming up where we're going to celebrate baptisms outside in the next few weeks. And whether on that day or Another day, if that one doesn't work for you, I'm going to invite you to put a stake in the ground today and say, I'm going to make it public that I'm a follower of Jesus. Two invitations to come to God through faith in Jesus, either for the first time or for the first time in a long time, or to be baptized as a follower of Jesus. And I want to show you three words from a story in the Bible that lead to these two invitations. So if you have a Bible and want to follow along, it's in John chapter 20, but I'll also have the story up here on the screen. Let me set the stage. It's a story about a woman named Mary and two of Jesus' disciples who go to the tomb of Jesus after he has died on the cross. And there they discover that Jesus' body is gone. Little did they know by that time, Jesus had risen from the dead. So for those of you who are not familiar with Easter, spoiler alert, Jesus is alive. And Jesus' resurrection makes clear that he was not merely a man who has power over death. This is God in the flesh. But his followers didn't know Jesus had risen from the dead. They assumed Somebody had stolen his body. And the two disciples were scared, not knowing what all this might mean for them, so they ran back home. But this woman, Mary, stayed. And that's where we pick up the story in John chapter 20, verse 11. The Bible tells us Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. You can only imagine in her tears, not only not being able to recognize Jesus, but not expecting in any way that he would be alive. Resurrection was not even in people's worldview at this point. It was the farthest thing from her mind. So Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Ah, just feel the weight and the wonder of this scene. So this is Mary Magdalene. Not to be confused with Mary, the mother of Jesus. This Mary had a really rough past. Jesus had healed her from demon possession. She was an outcast. In her culture, and Jesus had given her a new start, but now he was dead, and her hopes were dashed, her joy gone, only now in her grieving to find that, so she thinks, somebody stole stolen Jesus' body. Do you ever feel like when it rains, it pours? Have you ever had your hopes dashed? You ever lost your joy? Have you ever experienced deep grief? I have a feeling most of us can identify with Mary's hurt. So here she stands, weeping and unable to be consoled, even by angels, much less some gardener, until the supposed gardener says one word, Mary. All Jesus says is her name, and immediately she recognizes his voice. This is the voice of the one who knows me like no one else, who knows all my past, all my shame, all I've done, all my sin and struggles, all my Hurts all the ways others have hurt me. And this is the voice of the one who saw me, who looked past all of that and pursued me and took away my shame and healed my hurts and gave me life. And as soon as she realizes it's Jesus calling her name, everything changes and this is where I want you to hear in this story Jesus calling your name put it in the blank right there hear the voice today right now right where you are sitting of God The one who created you, who knows you like no one else, calling your name. The God who knows your past and your present better than even you do. The God who knows your shame, who knows your sin, your struggles, who knows your hurts, and the ways you have been hurt, God sees you, and God pursues you, and he alone is able to remove all your shame and heal all your hurts and give you eternal life. This is why Jesus, God in the flesh, died on the cross. I realize that if you're new to Christianity, it may sound very strange to come into a room and hear a bunch of people singing about blood. But the whole point of the cross is that our sins deserve death before God. But Jesus gave his life, he shed his blood, blood to pay the price for the sins of anyone and everyone who will trust in him so that you and I can be forgiven of all our sin and cleansed of all our shame. Jesus did this for you. Insert your name. Is this not an awesome Thought In a world of 8 billion people, God knows you, right where you are sitting right now. God pursues you, and God calls your name. I should rephrase the language I used at the beginning. I'm not offering you an invitation today. God is. God is calling your name. Which leads to the second word I want to show you. So the first is... Mary, or insert your name. And the second word, Jesus says three different times in the rest of this story. See if you can notice it with me. Pick up in John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Then jump down a few verses later to verse 24 where we read, Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came the first time. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. All the door, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Did you notice the one word Jesus says three times? Every time he starts speaking his, to his disciples, he uses this word, peace be with you. He said it again, peace be with you. When he came to them this next time, the first thing he said among them was peace be with you. Get this scene. Just imagine the emotions in that room among these disciples. They were afraid. Surely they were confused. What's happening? They were anxious. What's going to happen next? They felt alone in hiding They were in despair. First Jesus died, now his body's gone. This is the end in a way we did not see coming. It doesn't seem far-fetched to consider they were depressed. Can I just pause here and point out that we're familiar with all the emotions in that room? Fear, confusion, anxiety, loneliness. Despair, depression, isn't it interesting that in the capital of one of the wealthiest countries to ever exist in the history of the world, with all our jobs and all our stuff, we have so many fears and so much confusion, anxiety, loneliness, despair, and depression. Surely this should open our eyes to the reality that what we most need, this world cannot provide. But God can. God alone can. And he speaks it, picture it summarized in this word, peace. Peace that overcomes fear and confusion and anxiety in this world. Amidst loneliness, peace that comes from God's presence with you. Amidst despair, peace that is found in God's promises to you. Amidst depression, peace that wells up from God's life in you. But people will ask, but how can you say Jesus alone brings peace? And the answer is simple. Because Jesus alone has conquered sin and Jesus alone has defeated death. Who else has done that? None of us. All of us and every other person in history has sinned against God. It looks different in all of our lives, but we've all turned aside from God and His ways and as a result, we are all separated from God, from the author of peace and joy and love and life. This is why the world is in the state it's in. All of us separated from God, and all of us are going to die. The current percentage rate on people dying is 100%. doesn't matter how much organic food you eat or how much you exercise. I'm not saying, I'm not commenting on either of those things. I'm just saying you're still gonna die. Death is coming for all of us. And if we die in this state of separation from God, we will spend eternity separated from God, the author of peace and joy and love and life. Imagine eternity in despair. But the good news, the greatest news in all the world that we celebrate today is that God has not left us alone in this state. God has come to us. He's pursued us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus has conquered sin. He has defeated death. He's made a way for us to be restored to peace with God forever. At which point, some might ask, well, how do I know Jesus actually rose from the dead? Enter Thomas into the story. Thomas gets kind of a bad rap because of his doubts and questions. But I, for one, am thankful God put somebody like Thomas in the story to do a reality check for all of us. I don't want to base my life on a lie. I'm guessing you don't either. So many people say religion is just subjective. It's about what works for you, which may be different than what works for me. But we know that's actually not true. Just think about the resurrection of Jesus. This is not a matter of subjective preference at all. It's a matter of objective truth. Either Jesus did rise from the dead or Jesus did not rise from the dead. That's not a question of preference. It's a question of truth, not your truth or my truth, but truth. In the words of Lee Strobel, who set out as an atheist to disprove Christianity and ended up becoming a follower of Jesus, he said he didn't become a Christian because it would be easier in this world than being an atheist. He knew it would be harder. But he said, I became a Christian because the evidence was so compelling that Jesus really is the one and only Son of God who proved his divinity by rising from the dead. Nabil Qureshi grew up Muslim, yet took the time to study the story of Jesus. And he writes that despite his ardent desire to believe in Islam, which he'd grown up with his entire life, he could not escape the historical reality that Jesus claimed to be God, and he proved it by rising from the dead. Which all leads to our last word Mary, or insert your name. Peace, I offer you. And then this last word, it's mentioned five times in the last five verses of our story. See if you can notice it, starting in verse 27. Then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Five times in five verses, what word do we see? Believe. It's the invitation Jesus gives to Thomas. Believe. Believe that I'm alive, that I'm Lord over sin and death and the God who can give you life. Then Jesus says, blessed are those who believe without standing in Thomas's shoes. And then John, who's telling us this story, says, I've written these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Oh, do you see in this one word how radically different this is than every other religion in the world? Here is not a list of steps to take and rules to follow. This is truth to believe. Or better put, a person to trust God Himself. And it's not an invitation merely to believe this in your head. Even the demons believe Jesus rose from the dead. Big deal. This is an invitation to trust Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life. Put it all together. God is calling your name. He knows you. All you've done all your sin and shame and hurt and your past and your present, God is saying to you, I have peace for you now and peace for you that will last forever if only you will believe If only you will receive my invitation to forgive you of all your sin and restore you to relationship with me. I mentioned two invitations at the start. One, God himself is inviting you today to receive new life in Jesus some of you for the first time, others of you for the first time in a long time to come back to Jesus. I would put it this way, maybe as a question. If you were to die today and stand before God, would it be clear that you are trusting Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life? And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, God is speaking to you. Hear him speaking to your heart right now, calling you to trust him. And you will be tempted in this moment to put off the voice of God, to say, maybe later, for any number of reasons, but I want to lovingly warn you, there may not be a later. I want to say this as plainly as possible. None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. You or I could die at any moment in your home, on your way home, and this opportunity will be gone forever. And even if you live for many more years, you don't want to harden your heart toward God to hear the voice of God's Spirit speaking to you like he is right now, and you say, I'm going to put you off. And God, lets your heart harden all the more, and you never come back to this moment. I say to some of you, this moment could be your last opportunity. Today is today. Don't make excuses. Today's excuses are tomorrow's regrets. Five minutes into eternity, what are you going to be glad that you held on to that kept you from Jesus? The first invitation is for you to trust in Jesus as Lord of your life, either for the first time or for some of you to come back to Jesus for the first time in a long time. And then the second invitation is for you to decide today to go public, to be baptized as a follower of Jesus. And likewise, you'll be tempted to say, I'm going to wait until this or that. I'm not ready. When the reality is, if you've trusted in Jesus, you're ready. And it's time. And you might think, well, it's, it's not that important. Really? Are you going to say to Jesus, the Lord of your life, your first command to me, not really that important. And again, you might say, well, I was baptized as a baby. We've referenced this earlier. Your baptism as a baby was a profession of someone else's faith, not your own. And praise God for that. We honor, you honor that faith in your parents or whoever. But now is the time to profess your faith. You have a chance today not to reject what they did, but to affirm what they wanted for your life. Today is a defining day. For people all across this room, others online, to respond to the invitation of God in your life, to God calling your name. So here's what I'm going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for courage, for you to respond to God calling your name. And then as soon as I say amen, we're gonna all stand together. And I'm gonna invite you to put feet to what God is saying to your heart right now. So we're gonna stand, we're gonna sing praise to God for new life in Jesus. And if you are ready to either begin or renew a relationship with Jesus or to be baptized, that I'm gonna invite you to do something really bold in this room. I'm gonna invite you to step out from your seat and walk down to the front of this room where someone with a name tag will meet you and take a moment to encourage you and pray with and for you. And the reason I wanna invite you to do this, to step out and walk down here is because something significant happens when you put a stake in the ground in a moment like this to say, that was the day I stepped out, made a bold decision to trust in Jesus, or this was a turning point when I came back to Jesus, or this was the day that I decided to be baptized. And you might wonder, well, what will people think about me if I step out? And the reality is, well, one, As you'll see, this room will cheer you on. (laughs) I think about our 14-month-old little girl taking her first, like, baby step yesterday. You would have thought, like, I I don't know what kind of celebration was happening in the room. She'd moved an inch or two. (laughs) So I guarantee you, you take one step, there is a whole body of people who will cheer you on in every step after. But two, even if they didn't, this isn't about other people and what they think. If your concern is what others might think, you, you may be missing the point. There are Christians around the world who will very likely be killed for following Jesus or being baptized and you're wondering if you can step out from your seat, the question is, do you trust in Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life? He's the only one who matters in this moment. And I should add, if you don't want to come alone, just turn to the person beside you and say, will you go with me? And I'm sure they would be glad to. If they aren't, well, then they should be coming down with you anyway, two invitations from God to come to Jesus for the first time or for the first time in a long time and to be baptized as a follower of Jesus so let's pray God I pray that you would give people courage right now to step out and to unashamedly say in this moment, I'm beginning. I'm coming back to a relationship with Jesus or I'm ready to be baptized. I just pray for a spirit of humility and boldness to respond to your voice calling their name and to make this day from the youngest in this room to the oldest in this room, from all kinds of backgrounds with all kinds of stories, make this day a defining moment in their story and their relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.